Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. Hello, everyone. Steve Ekstrom here, host of the Tourism Academy, tourismacademy.org business class podcast. Today's guest is somebody I've been looking forward to chatting with for a while now, Ellie Westman-Chin, President and CEO at Destination Madison. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Stephen. I'm so happy to join you this morning. In my preparation, I took a quick look at your LinkedIn bio, and I think we were both in New York around the same time. Back in 2004 to 2006, I was with the Intrepid Museum. Okay, I was with Empire Force Events. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. Jacqueline Bernstein, Rob Holzmeyer. Of, of course I do. It is a very, yeah. very small world. <laughs> it is, especially in tourism. Sooner or later, we all cross paths, it feels like. What advice do you have for somebody who's getting started in the industry? I I encourage all of the employees that work with me to go to different events in the industry because our industry is very relationship driven and we all rely on each other, especially during the past couple of years where it's just been really tough. And I, I tell them some of my dearest friends I have met in our industry, I said, so, you know, if you've got a challenge or if you want to talk something through, you can call someone at another DMO and they're going to be so happy to talk with you because even though we're all competitors to a degree, um, we're really supportive of each other because I think I do think there's a thought of a rising tide mentality that is good for tourism as a whole throughout the United States. And so I highly recommend new employees, you know, or even seasoned employees that have been in the industry a while to to meet their peers in other cities, because I think that's very important, not only for their own career paths, but I think it's really important for retention in our own industry. Who's somebody that you've looked up to and now find yourself, you know, a a peer of theirs? (laughs) You know, Stephen, I have just been so lucky my whole career to be able to work with really incredible people who have helped me along my journey. Um, So I'm going to give a couple shout outs. I want to shout out to my friend, um, Misty in Kissimmee, who was with Orlando when I first met her. Um, Her and I have been a little bit on the same trajectory, but she's truly been a good friend and mentor for me. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention Butch Spearden, who was my first Mm -hmm. boss in the industry and working with him and William Pate, who truly helped me climb to that next level that I wanted to get to. And last but definitely not least, uh, my friend Fred Dixon, who runs NYC and Company. Fred and I were in Nashville at the same time, and we worked together there. And he has just been such a wonderful friend as I've um, taken different jobs and done different things. I call him consistently and say, what do you think about this? Or do you think this is a good opportunity for me? So um, many people along my career path and then I would really be remiss if I didn't mention Charles Jeffers, who I work closely with in Atlanta and Elliot Ferguson in D.C., who has helped me in many, many different ways with such challenges and struggles I've had um, as I've moved along my career. 
recently Destinations International launched a mentorship program. What is something you hope the members of your team would do with regards to finding mentors and working with mentors and do differently than you did in your own career path? One, I would hope that they would find their mentor maybe earlier in their career path than I did. I think it took me a little while to understand, as a friend of mine says, you know, you need your own personal board of directors. And I I, I came across that idea a little bit later in my career, and I wish I would have learned that earlier. Um, I also hope through the DI uh, mentorship program that the younger generation have an easier time of finding people that would be so happy to help them along their path, as opposed to always having to find it themselves. Uh, I participated in the 30 under 30 program this past summer at the annual meeting and sat at a table with really incredible people that are new in their journey. And I made sure I gave everybody my card and said, whatever you need in this industry, don't ever feel shy to call me. And I think they were really surprised by that um, because I think most people usually have to take the steps on their own, but I'm hoping as leaders in our industry, uh, we make those steps real easy and we can help them. You know, what is something that you do from your position as a CEO that keeps you engaged with the folks who are just starting out, that keeps you um, in touch with them? When I joined the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau, Spurgeon Richardson was the president and CEO at the time, and then he retired, and that's when William Pitt came on board. And Spurgeon was definitely a walk-around manager. He would every day hit my door and look at me, and he'd always say, what'd you sell today, kid? Every day, like every single day. And I really learned a lot from that because, one, it made you feel like you were seen and you were important to the overall effort of what we were doing at the Atlanta CBB. And I really took that to heart. And then, so I do that a lot in the office. I just walk around and I'll just pop by somebody's desk. Um, I've made sure that each of our employees know that my door is open. If they want to talk about something, they want to talk about a career path, if they want to talk about a challenge, I hope they will come in and see me. Um, And then we also implemented when I got on board here, that during the uh, review process, I added a question of where do you want to go in your career? Because I think it's really important for us as leaders to help folks along that journey. But if we don't know where they want to go, we can't help them get there. And, um, you know, whatever that might be. And it might be, hey, I want to, I worked with a young woman in Atlanta and she's like, here's what I want to do. And I said, I think that is a great career path but you're not probably going to be able to do that here because what our goals and our, you know, what we need to be Uh doing here. And sometimes I think it's important to say that we don't want to lose good people, but I also want everyone to find their journey and I want them to be able to reach their passions and their goals and what they want to do with their careers. What's been the most challenging thing that you faced professionally and how did you change because of it? Is that besides COVID, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> the elephant in the room. You probably no, could ask be. everybody in tourism that question, and they would say COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, th- this is true. This is true. Uh, you know, so how did you, how did you personally grow from that, and wh- where do you see your organization as being different because of it? <laughs> so, 
you know, when I started in my career, the work, um, the office um, situation was still very traditional, right? You will be in at eight, you will stay till five, you, you know, like it was very traditional hours of operation. And so that's kind of how I was um, started in my career and how it was ingrained in my mind. And so, you know, what I learned very early in COVID um, was empathy and understanding because COVID was such an interesting challenge on so many different levels, but not only was it affecting us professionally, but it was affecting us personally. And, you know, in the past crisis we've had, like the, you know, the recession in 2009, that affected us professionally, but on a a lot of levels, it didn't affect many people personally. That that was in my sphere, you know, at that time. But this was, and so I really had to step, take a step back, and say, okay, you know, and I just talked to somebody. They just sounded awful because they're having a moment with whatever they're dealing with in this pandemic that none of us know really how to manage, right? And so that was a big learning experience for me. The other one was you know, loosening up on flexibility. And so, you know, here in, at Madison, it's, we have a hybrid work schedule. We have a very flexible work po- policy because the reality is we all have different things in our lives that we need to do. And so, you know, we have one employee that she needs to leave every day by four because she needs to get her kids from school. I want her to go do that. You know, I want people to say, hey, I'm going to leave at three. I'll be back online at 430. Because, you know, my child's playing in their first ever soccer game. I don't want the employees to miss really important things that they're doing in their lives, whether it's children or even as an adult, something that's really passionate for them because of work. Because I think we can have a balance there that we didn't have before. And I think that is one of the biggest lessons because before was... You know, you're either working all day and you come home when you're tired at night and by the weekend you're exhausted and you're giving your family what you have left. And now it's like, no, you know what? You can go be there for your child's first day of school because I know you're still going to get your job done back here. And, you know, that building that trust to let go was a huge learning curve for me. Not that I don't trust the employees, but I was just mentally in my mind, this traditional office environment that I was very used to. And I had to change that thought process. One of the observations that I made during COVID is that with people working remotely, the camera is on within their home. And in many ways, we got to see people in their home environment. And it was a reminder that we are whole people, not just the person that you see in the office. And I think that in a lot of ways that may have made that easier. Did you find that as well? I did. I did because, you know, if the cat walked across the screen, you know, or the two-year-old ran into the office because they didn't realize they shouldn't or couldn't be, (laughs) it actually lightened up the mood a lot, especially during the early days of COVID where everything was so heavy and changing minute by minute, you know, the minute you got a policy in place, it's like, okay, we have to change that because these, you know, this new guidance just came out or whatever. And so when that started happening and you could see people's home life, I think that gave me personally a bigger understanding of what they're doing at home and how that affects the workplace. You know, when I first started in my career, you know, I was, people always said, you leave home at home and you leave work at work. Well, 
I don't know if that's very realistic, right? Because I know that there's stuff that I think about when I'm home at night, you know, about my job. And so there's going to be days where we get to the office and we're worried about something at home and we should have, we should have empathy for that and let, you know, let folks have their space to do that. So, yeah, I do think, you know, having that peek into people's mm-hmm. home life made a big difference. I also, it was also fun to see, um, you know, just their offices or however they had their room decorated. And you learned a lot about maybe their hobbies. Oh, like they love to read or they follow a certain sports team. And it really became even more engaging than just sitting in a conference room every day meeting, right, in the same environment each day. I I have found that particularly true in the last few months, too. It, as you noticed from the Zoom chat, I'm sitting in a van. <laughs> And I, I became a digital nomad a year ago, and I've been traveling nonstop for the last year. So most of my meetings start with the simple question, where in the world is Steve today? Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, and, and why are you not in Madison, Steve? That's the question. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a dot on my map. You're one of the places I hope to visit. If I were to visit, what might be two or three things that I should look forward to? Oh boy, it's really hard for me to name two or three things. Yeah. (laughs) If you were coming, well, actually any time of year that you come here, I would definitely say get out on the lakes. Um, You know, Madison's on an isthmus. So we're surrounded by five lakes and um, we play on the lakes in the summertime. And when they freeze up, we go out there and we play on the lakes in the wintertime. And it's really a unique experience in the winter because that was something new to me. And so you can ride bicycles on the lake. You can um, go out on the lake and fly kites or do ice skating. So I think that's really unique. Um, I would definitely say to walk down our museum mile and go into some of our really interesting and unique museums that we have here. I think that is a lot of fun. Of course, we're a capital city and our capital is right in the middle of downtown Madison. And it's beautiful and you can walk in no security, just walk on in because it's very welcoming and, you know, check out the the beauty of the Capitol. And then I always recommend for folks to head to campus because, of course, University of Wisconsin is here and go to the Union Terrace where you can sit outside and have an ice cream cone or get a beer or whatever your pleasure is and watch what watch what I think is the best place to watch the sunset in Madison. It is just tremendous. And there's usually a band out there and it's just got this really unique vibe. And so, but I could go on and on, which I'm sure a lot of your guests <laughs> could go on and on about their destinations because I just get so, you know, if you like to ride bikes, we're a platinum uh, rated bike city. We're one of five in the United States. We have over 200 miles of bike trails. You can do that in the winter because we actually shovel off our bike trails before we plow the roads because we have so many bike commuters year round. How Explain to me the moment when you realized that Madison was home. <laughs> so I grew up in the Midwest. I actually grew up in Northern Illinois, only about two hours from Madison. I had been to Madison twice before and enjoyed the city both times. And when I got to Madison, um, it's almost, it'll be two years in February. Um, it felt like home. And I think it's because I've lived in tremendous places and I've had such a great time everywhere I've lived. 
But I think deep down, I was always a Midwesterner at heart, and it just felt right being back in the Midwest. For a visitor who doesn't understand how culture is different, how that that sense of experience and belonging is different in the Midwest, how would you explain it? Well, as I was reminded when I got here, um, there is definitely a thing of Midwest nice. People here are, they're very down to earth. They're not, a, they're not flashy, you know, they're just really down to earth. They're very welcoming. And if you stand on a street corner and look like you're not exactly sure where to go, there's probably going to be at least 15 people that stop and say, may, you know, may I help you? <laughs> I think there's, and there's, there's a real pride of Midwesterners that I sort of forgot about. Um, you know, Madison, people don't want to be anywhere else. They're really happy to be in Madison. They love Madison. They're very passionate about the city and they're, they just, they, it, it's rare to be in a city, especially in my role, where people don't sit around and go, oh boy, if we only had an ocean or if we only had, you know, something in our destination would be different. And the folks here are just like, we are all in on this destination. And I think the beautiful part of that is they're very engaged in the community. And so we have just wonderful volunteers because they're very passionate about what happens in Madison and they want to be a part of it. And I, you get that vibe when you get here. It's very different than vibes in other cities, I think. So I have just a couple questions before we wrap up. Um, what kind gesture have you offered today? Well, I was I just had another Zoom meeting before our call, and it's with um, one of our local community organizations, and the um, president and CEO was going over their new strategic plan. I don't know if this is kind or not, Stephen, um, but as he's talking through his plan, I was like, holy cow, we just created our new strategic plan, and there's so much synergies so I immediately reached out to him. I'm like, let's get together and talk about how we can make both of our plans work and be successful um, in a partnership for our teams. So I'm not sure if that's kind, but I haven't left my house yet. So I haven't really seen anybody <laughs> to be overly kind, but I will plan to do that once I leave home. <laughs> well, then my other question then is about what you see in the room around you. Um, point something out that makes you feel good and, and explain what it is. Okay. Um, so the first thing I see when I look around my room is a picture of me and my husband from the day we were married, which always puts a smile on my face because I think he's incredible. And I'm just so lucky that he's in my life. Um, and next to his picture is a picture of my many, many nieces and nephews, and they're being so goofy in this picture. And that's why I put it up because that's their true selves. And I just, I'm so proud to be an aunt and, and just be part of their lives as well. And then next to that picture is a picture of my sisters. I have five sisters and um, I'm just so blessed to have these women in my life and, you know, and participate in life and in, in our life journey together. So those are the first three things I see when I look around the room. I like that. 
Uh, and the nieces and nephews, one of the comments I made to my sister was I need a picture of nieces and nephews for my my van for this this road trip. So we'll see what we'll yes. see what they deliver on my birthday. Um, is there anything I didn't <laughs> I ask know. that you wish I did? Um, let me think. I don't think so. You know, if I can just add one thing. Sure. Um, you know, the, as you know, because you've talked to a lot of different folks in, in our world of DMOs. And the last the last two years were bruising, right? It's It was, um, we were all challenged as leaders. And how do we lead a team? How do we help in our communities? How do we bring back the visitor once things open? And when we opened, you know, it was full steam ahead. There's been no rest really for the last three years. And it's exhausting at times. But what I'd like to leave with is I think that tourism has an immensely bright future ahead of it. And I'm already seeing that here in Madison. And there's a lot of support for it. So even though we've seen dark days and it's been a challenge and there's been times where we all probably just wanted to stay in bed and put the cover over our head and say, we can't do it today. I think we're headed in such a great positive direction because I do think that what one of the things COVID did was even bring us together more as a community within hospitality because we truly had to rely on each other. And I think with that foundation in mind, moving ahead is is really going to be so successful for not only our each and each of our destinations, but I think as the country as a whole, especially with the work that Brand USA is doing. So heads up, stay positive. We're going to move in a good direction. I think that's a great note for us to wrap up on. Thank you for joining me here on the podcast. You're welcome. It's so nice to see you. And you as well.